All right, welcome to your haunted holiday. My name is Lisa. And I'm Lindsay. And we are twin sisters who love to travel, but we also are really into ghosts and hauntings. Lindsay, do you want to tell them a little bit about our experience and what kind of got us into ghost vacations? Yeah, so when we were kids, we were probably seven or eight, and we went up and visited um, Deadwood, South Dakota on like kind of a summer family vacation. And we had kind of a, a ghostly encounter, which I'm sure we will have an episode on in the future. And uh, we were just staying at this old historic hotel up in Deadwood and did not expect much. And that, you know, this really interesting thing happened. So we've just been really fascinated by it. And uh, anytime we go visit somewhere, we really try to make an effort um, to stay in a haunted location if at all possible. Yeah. And one thing that I find, it can be really difficult to find valid information on some of these places and for example like what room should i stay in if i want to stay in this hotel most hotels will say something like every room in this hotel is haunted especially if they're really you know trying to present themselves as a haunted hotel but i can say from experience there are certain rooms that are going to be more haunted than others right so where do you go to find that information we're hoping this might be kind of the the travel review for ghostly vacations along with some fun stories too right i mean it makes it makes your vacation interesting exactly so even if you don't experience something at one of these haunted locations that we talk about you decide to go there it's still always an adventure and it makes it a little bit more fun you don't always get as much sleep right especially if you're like my sister Lindsay here who gets very scared and has the hardest time sleeping and meanwhile I'm like passed out like I sleep through anything yeah I have a hard time I've got to bring the sleeping pills all right, so why don't we go ahead and get into our first episode. So this was the most recent haunted location that we stayed at, and it was in Savannah, Georgia. Of course, I think that's one of the most haunted cities in all of the world, definitely the United States. Um, and it was my first time going there as an adult, and I've never stayed in a haunted location there, so I was pretty stoked. And it was the Marshall House. So there is endless places to stay in Savannah, Georgia, if you want to stay in a haunted place. But the Marshall House was a really great experience, so we thought it might be a good way to to start out the program. Yep. All right, so the Marshall House, Savannah, Georgia, some things I wanna call out to start. The pricing is pretty typical of a hotel, but you are staying in a historic hotel. It's right in downtown Savannah, so you can access everything. All right, so prices in in the Marshall House are between $150 to $340. Lindsay, do you remember off the top of your head how much we spent on our room? I cannot I don't. remember. It was probably closer to, it was probably closer to 200 a night. I would say, what, what did we do? We, st- we stayed there two nights or three nights? Two nights. And it was during Memorial Day weekend. So that could have been part of the reason the price was a little bit higher. I'm sure, you know, they upped the price on, you know, um, holidays and things like that, where it's, you know, vacation season there in Savannah. So that, that could be part of it. The other thing, like I said earlier, make sure to call and book a specific room, especially at the Marshall house. So they do say that the top two floors, floors three and four are the most haunted. Although, I mean, I really think 
this being the Marshall House, that every room has probably some haunted occurrences. You know, when we did stay there, I did not do a lot of research up front, so I did not know which room to book. So I actually called the front desk, which was actually a little bit embarrassing, and I asked them, you know, we want to book a room, and we want the most haunted room. And I did hear a little bit of judgment on the line, but she, <laughs> I'm sure, was very used to that request, and she booked us room 414. So we're going to talk about room 414 as we get further into the haunting and we'll tell our own experience in that room but after some additional research it definitely is the room that you want to stay at if you can get in and we did not book that room way far ahead of time like we were able to easily get access to it there's certain hotels like for example the Stanley in Estes Park Colorado there's rooms there where you have to book it out years in advance in order to get access to it. That really did not seem to be the case with the Marshall House. But I think you would be happy with any room that you stayed at here. Um, it's it's beautiful, but it's creepy. Would you describe it that same way, Lindsay? For sure. I mean, they've renovated, so it's really nice. But then you can also tell it's really old, right? And they've got a lot of historical stuff in their lobby. Um, like the wood floors are probably original or they're very old right so you can tell it's an older building um but it's really nice i, I got great vibes <laughs> when we walked in yeah i did too and we'll talk about the history of of room 414 and i was expecting to be like weirded out right away but i must say i wasn't it was very pretty and cute i will say the room was small so, and it was, was it a queen size bed? I think it was a full queen size bed, mm -hmm. right? It wasn't yep. a double. So really max of two people. Like you cannot fit a cot in that room um, to house a third. Like maybe if somebody had a sleeping bag, but that would be really uncomfortable because they are old wood floors and there's not a lot of room to, to do that. So if you're gonna stay in that room, there's definitely a maximum of, of two people because it is a bit tight, but very comfortable for two. Yep. All right, some other things that the hotel offers, just little perks. When we arrived, they actually had a wine and cheese hour shortly after we checked in, which I loved. It was free wine and cheese. They had a local musician come in and play acoustic guitar. So it's actually, it's kind of fancy. I would say that the hotel is a little bit upscale. On some of the other nights, they have history talks several nights a week. They have live music. Apparently there's like a harpist that shows up some of these nights. And I really got the impression that they are not, how should I say this? Like they aren't actively promoting themselves as a haunted hotel. Did you get that same kind of vibe from the staff? Yes. It seemed like some of the staff maybe wasn't even aware of the history. Now maybe these were like newer staff members. We were up really late at night, you know, wandering and asked some people that were up, you know, kind of watching the front desk and uh, they didn't either seem to be aware or, or wanted to even really talk about it. But there were other staff members that were aware and uh, they actually do have a, a packet they'll give you if you ask with some information about the different hauntings that have occurred at the hotel. So they embrace it, but I don't know that they're advertising it like that. They're not trying, this isn't really their crowd they're looking for necessarily, I don't think. That's the impression I got. Yeah, I got the impression they were looking for kind of a more high-end crowd. Now, 
even though they're on their website, if you do go to their website for the Marshall House, there is a section where they talk about haunted hotel, but it does not get into really any specifics of the hauntings. But like you said, Lindsay, if you ask them, they do have a packet where they will give you that information. But a lot of people I found were not forthcoming. Like when we asked some of the staff, have you seen a ghost? Of course, we've like had too many drinks after our haunted pub crawl. And we're like, hey, have you seen a ghost here? What's your story? And everybody that we ran into did not want to talk about it. That were the they acted oblivious. I got the impression they were acting oblivious. And, and hey, the other thing is, you know, not everybody believes in ghosts, right? You know, it's a supernatural phenomenon and it can be difficult to prove. And so I totally understand that as well. It could just be that they, yeah. don't, they don't absolutely think it's a thing. And one thing that is crazy about Savannah that I had no idea is there are haunted tours everywhere, right? Like we went on a haunted yep. pub crawl and there were numerous other haunted pub crawls going on at the same time. There are hearses driving by the Marshall House giving tours, haunted tours. They go by the Marshall House, I swear, it's like maybe every two minutes. They're out there all the time. And in fact, you know, we'll talk about our haunted pub crawl maybe in another episode or something, but they actually ended at the Marshall House. That was kind of like their big final story. And I got the impression from some of the other tours that were passing by they're talking actively about the Marshall House on a regular basis. There are right. tours coming through regularly. It is fun to do stuff like that, and we'll talk about that pub crawl at some point, I'm sure, down the road. Um, and it was really fun. And actually, our, our guide gave really good historical, interesting information about the city just in general. So it was, it's kind of a cool way to get a tour. It was. And you're drinking along the... I was shocked that it was like... It turned into kind of a drunk fest because you <laughs> yeah. really did stuff. Like, they give you a plastic cup. You start at a certain pub that's haunted, right? You get your drink at this place, and then you carry that drink with you to the next pub. And you don't only stop at pubs. You stop at a cemetery and all this stuff. But mm-hmm. people were... There was like a group on a bachelorette party in our tour and like we were getting tipsy. I could tell the tour guide was a little irritated, but she was very professional. And like you said, I thought the history that she provided was so, so good. Yeah, it was it was definitely interesting. And in Savannah as well is is they've got kind of like an open container law out there. So like I live in Atlanta, you can't walk around with an alcoholic beverage you know, around the streets, but in Savannah, you can, it's kind of like Vegas. You can get a to-go cup from your restaurant or bar and just go on your way. This is Lisa, and are you ready to embark on the adventure of a lifetime? You've heard me delve into the world of haunted travel, exploring eerie locations, and uncovering spine-chilling tales. And now I'm thrilled to announce the launch of something very special to me, which is my own travel agency, brought to you by Your Haunted Holiday. As our listeners know, I'm not just passionate about haunted travel, I live and breathe it. From researching the most haunted destinations to planning unforgettable journeys, I'm here to make your travel dreams a reality. Whether you're seeking the thrill of a haunted location or craving a getaway to somewhere a little less spine tingling, I've got you covered. And here's the best part, my services are absolutely free. 
Let me put my travel skills to good use by helping you plan the perfect escape. Simply visit yourhauntedholiday.com and click on the Travel Agency by Lisa link at the top of the page in the menu. So where will your next adventure take you? Let's make it a journey you'll never forget. Contact your Haunted Holiday travel agency today and let's start planning. Your adventure awaits. Okay, so we've talked about what the Marshall House is like, a little bit of Savannah. I mean, if you want to have a haunted experience, I think Savannah is a great place to start. Almost anywhere you go, you're going to see a haunted tour, something going on. But let's talk about the haunted uh, history or just the history in general of the Marshall House. So this year, actually, in October 2019, or I guess not this year anymore, we're into 2020, aren't we? So October 2019, USA Today ranked the Marshall House the number eight best haunted hotel in the USA. So that is a pretty good way to tell that you're in a haunted spot. The hotel was built in 1851 by Mary Marshall. And if you do go, you can actually see her picture behind the reception desk. Well, it's not an actual picture. It's a portrait. It's a painting, but it's pretty neat. Um, So 1851. And I got to say, Lindsay, this hotel did not have the best start. So it was considered like the grandest hotel in Savannah at, at the time. It was, you know, really really fancy Um, but shortly after it opened in the mid 1800s they went through two different yellow fever epidemics in Savannah and as a result because Savannah was so surprised and it was hit so hard by yellow fever they actually had to convert the Marshall House into a hospital for both of those yellow fever epidemics so Lisa when you when you talk about yellow fever I don't know a whole lot about it. Did you do any research into what it is? And is it something that people died from? What what exactly is it? Give us more info. Yeah, I really wasn't sure either. So I did do a little bit of research because I wasn't sure either. Like, is it something that you just, you know, like, is it like the flu where most people live? No, it is not. It was pretty deadly. And especially at the time, because they didn't really know what it was and they didn't have, you know, a vaccine for such a thing. So I looked up on georgiahistory.com. They had, I thought, like the best little blurb of it to kind of give you a sense of what yellow fever is. So yellow fever was a scary and mysterious disease bringing on a sudden and painful death. Early symptoms included chills followed by a fever, back pains, and jaundice. This actually gave the disease its name. After uncontrollable hemorrhaging from the mouth, nose, and stomach, death often soon followed. About 60% of those infected died, and the disease usually ran its course in about six or seven days. Back in those days, nobody really knew what yellow fever stemmed from, so how to treat it again, that's going to be really hard, which is why they had such high death rates, right? So not a great start to the hotel. They have this fancy new beautiful hotel, and then they had to close it and, and open it as a hospital twice. And then the Civil War started. So as you can imagine, Savannah is right down there in the south, right? And Sherman, General Sherman, he was a soldier, not not just a soldier, but an actual general for the north, right? Very well known. If If you know about the Civil War, you've probably heard 
about General Sherman, um, and he started his march to the sea in 1864. And his goal was really to basically take down Georgia, right, as, to end this civil war. And so he started his march to the sea, and he's actually quoted as saying that he wants to make Georgia howl. And he did. So as he started from the north of Georgia, he wanted to work his way down south to the sea, which is where Savannah is. And Savannah would kind of be his last stop. At least that was part of the plan. So he worked his way further and further south. And along that way, he went to Atlanta and he famously burned Savannah, or not Savannah, but burned Atlanta to the ground, right? And word got around all the damage that Sherman had done. And as he continued south towards Savannah, his soldiers continued to burn cities, pillage, steal, do everything they can. And he was wreaking havoc throughout the state of Georgia, very famously. So when he got to Savannah, he had a reputation of he's going to burn our city to the ground because that's what they've done everywhere else. And of course, Savannah is gorgeous. It's considered one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Definitely, probably the most beautiful city in the United States, I would say. They have these beautiful parks and, you know, it's just, it is gorgeous. And it was gorgeous back then too. So the people of Savannah decided we do not want our city burned to the ground. And they, I think they also knew based on some of the research that Sherman was easily going to take over the city if he wanted to, right? Like, even if they did try to put up a fight, eh, Sherman's probably going to win this one, right? So they actually had their mayor go out, ride his horse out to the troops and told the Union soldiers, we give up, we surrender, right? And so they actually invited Sherman into the city. So as a result of that, the city of Savannah was saved, which is why we have all these beautiful historic buildings there that weren't burned down during the Civil War. And from what I read, the the locals of Savannah actually kind of embraced it. They let Sherman and his troops go to the local businesses. They liked that. They were kind of making money, you know, as a city because Sherman kind of used it as his his place for his soldiers. But as part of that, of course, during the Civil War, there's a lot of injuries, a lot of death, right? Again, they need a hospital. So Marshall House has been a hospital in the past for the yellow fever. So of course, they're going to turn the Marshall House into a hospital again. Now, keep in mind, the Marshall House was built in 1851. This is 1864 that Sherman arrives and turns the Marshall House back into a hospital again. So it's only 13 years later since its opening, and it has now been a hospital three different times, Lindsay. Three times it's been a hospital. And there's already been a lot of death, I'm sure, from the yellow fever. Mm -hmm. But now we have a war hospital, basically. And what happened during the Civil War a lot? What type of procedure? amputations right so back during the civil war it's not like it like if you get shot in the leg or something it's not like today where they have all these different methods where they're gonna try to save that limb and they have all these different types of ways to do that back then especially during the civil war because they had limited things right limited resources their biggest thing was they needed to be able to, they would amputate it if you had a severe injury to a limb. And as you can imagine, the type of combat they were having back in those days, a lot of it was hand-to-hand. People were being hit with cannons, um, firearms, that kind of thing. So the biggest type of surgery that occurred in this hospital was for amputations, which is 
terrifying. <laughs> I no think. Kidding. Yeah, very scary. So think about this for a second. And, you know, I wasn't able to corroborate this, but, you know, this was something that we heard um, as part of the haunted pub tour that we went on is that they used the lower floors of the Marshall House. So it's four stories. The lower floors were used for the surgical rooms where the actual amputations took place. And then the upper floors, the third and fourth floor, is where people would actually go to recover. Now, again, that is, I see that all over the internet, but I haven't been able to find that. Like, it's not on the Marshall House's website, right? They, they don't go into that kind of detail on, on what the layout of the hospital was officially. So when you are injured as a Union soldier, and that's the other thing that's interesting, because when we stayed at the Marshall House, I assumed it was going to be Confederate soldiers staying there, Right. Or yeah. Confederate soldiers haunting, not staying there, right? No, <laughs> right. it's for the most part, there might be some Confederate soldiers, but for the most part, it's Union soldiers because it was Sherman's army that took it over. You have this injury, I'm sure you're in a massive amount of pain, right? It's not like today where they can give you Vicodin or, you know, whatever other kind of, you know, pain pills that you want, right? You show up to the Marshall House to have a procedure, and there is little to no anesthesia at this time. Like, I cannot even imagine. So you're, you know, put on a table, right, where they're getting ready to cut off whatever limb, and they are probably telling you to bite down on something, right? Um, and that's probably the extent to what you have in terms of pain relief. Now, one thing that I did hear, um, which I was kind of surprised by, is there was not a ton of bleeding as a result of these procedures. So the amputations in general were pretty quick. Obviously, they want to get it done as quickly as possible. There's not a lot of pain relief. They are just sawing through skin and bone as quickly um, and as clean a cut as they can, right? So what I read is there was not a lot of bleeding and they gave like this big, long medical explanation for why there wasn't a lot of bleeding. But what it reminded me of, I don't want to get into the medical explanation because it's kind of boring, but it did remind me of this story that I saw on Shark Week like years ago. Lindsay, do you know what story I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're going to (laughs) say. Yeah. Yes. So, and I mean, it's amazing the type of random knowledge that you can get from Shark Week, but that's like a whole other episode. But for this one, it really does apply. So, and I can't remember what the show was called on Shark Week or anything like that. It's been a long time, but it stuck with me. So basically a woman swimming in the water, right? And a great white shark essentially bites her entire leg off. And the people there that were, you know, pulling her back into the boat or on the beach, I can't remember, they were shocked that there was like hardly any blood at all. And what the doctors found is the reason there was hardly any blood is because that shark's teeth were so sharp and it was such a clean bite of the limb that it resulted in all of those vessels and everything that would normally be bleeding out to kind of suck back in. So by that shark's teeth being so sharp and making such a clean cut, it actually probably saved this woman's life. So that's what I thought of. I mean, it's kind Mm -hmm. of a weird thing to attribute it to, but essentially that's why their goal is let's do this fast and as clean a cut as we can because that's gonna lessen the amount of bleeding that takes place. So, so most people as a result of this lived going through, I'm sure there was some that died, right? But most people during the actual surgery itself survived on those lower floors. 
But the other thing you have to keep in mind when it comes to Civil War era is they were not using antiseptic that much. And this is also not just like a hospital during this time frame in the 1800s. This is a war. So resources are, you know, few and far between. They were actually known for using the same bandages on one patient and then using those same bandages on another patient without even washing them, Lindsay. So, yeah, it's really disgusting. Infection, right? So now you've had your surgery. They bandage you up with probably like used bandages. They put you to the upper floors, the third and fourth floor. And this is where the vast majority of people during the Civil War in the hotel actually died. And they died due to infection. Pretty scary history of the hotel in just a 13 year time frame, right? Pretty wild. Mm-hmm. So, after the Civil War, they actually renovated and they opened back up and it continued to be one of Savannah's greatest hotels. And it they went through that several times, several different renovations, and it closed in the mid-1900s. I think it said like 1940-ish, somewhere, somewhere in there. And then in the 1990s, it was rebought and they decided to restore the hotel again. Um, so before they actually, re- or during the restoration, I guess I should say, they were pulling up some of those old floorboards that needed to be replaced just because they were super old. Um, and they actually found bones. And really? these bones were not like a whole skeleton of like somebody murdered. No, it was the bones of the limbs of people they have amputated. So it is like a foot bone, a leg bone, an arm bone, that kind of thing. And one thing I read that I was not able to corroborate, but according to one website, it did say they found about three dozen different limb bones in the floorboards of the hotel when they were doing that restoration. Super creepy. Right. So it confirms the history. Absolutely. Right. I mean, and they actually thought it was like a criminal matter. Right. So when they discovered these bones, they called the police. Like we found bones in the floorboards. And I don't know, some scientist, (laughs) some CSI person, right, looked at the bones and said, these are from the Civil War. We know that it was used as a hospital. We all knew from history that it was an amputation hospital, but not only an amputation hospital, they actually put the limbs in the floorboards. One of the theories that I read, um, the reason for that, because normally during amputations in that time frame, they would actually bury the limbs. But they said that, so Sherman had arrived in December of 1964 and Savannah had gone, or 1864, and Savannah went through a very, very cold winter. And apparently the ground was so frozen that it became extremely difficult for them to dig a ditch to bury the bones. And so somebody just got lazy and put them under the floorboards. Mm. That had to stink, right? Must have. I would think so. There's actually a story about... We talked about the history. Pretty frightening. Let's talk about some of the hauntings that are a result of that. And obviously, you know, I cannot tell you that all of these are true, right? But there are some consistent stories that you are going to see online when you're looking for these. 
One of the biggest stories is that there is a woman that haunts the ladies' room in the lobby. And apparently, she will actually lock the stall door. Now, I kind of wonder about this story because, like, if I'm in the women's ladies' room and I'm going to go pee, I usually will lock that stall door automatically, right? Right. So I'm wondering what's happening. Is the lady, like, preemptively locking it or maybe they're trying to leave the bathroom and they can't get out of the stall or right how, how many opportunities does the lady haunting the bathroom have to lock the stall door <laughs> you right because that's the first thing i do Ex- i i know i that as soon as i enter boom stalls locked so i don't know right. i mean but the, the history is there you know to indicate potential hauntings here oh, right so I, but it's interesting that uh people have had that experience It is. And Lindsay, you actually went back to the Marshall House for dinner one night with a friend when you were on a road trip, right? You didn't stay there, but you did try to test this theory, didn't you? I did. So I I actually turned the lights off in the bathroom, hoping no one else would come in and think, oh my gosh, what is this chick doing? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I I went into the stall and I just kind of stood there and I said, hey... You know, if you're here, you know, give me a sign, lock the door. Um, I didn't get any action. I probably was maybe a little too over the top. I also didn't spend a whole lot of time in there either. So it sounds like you might have been a little bit tipsy or had a few cocktails before you took this. this There is no doubt. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a tipsy Lindsay act to do. Definitely. <laughs> I just want to imagine like somebody walking in, like a member of the staff or another oh. ghost. Like, what is this chick doing in here with the lights off? In the I bathroom? was at the point of like, no shame. You know what? I'm, I want to see here in ghosts. Savannah. I'm not going to see these people ever again. Totes. I get it. <laughs> All right. So you tested that. We didn't see it. Doesn't mean it's not true, right? I, I seems to be a very common story online um, that that's happening. Another really common one is that there is a Union soldier with one arm in the lobby. Now, there are multiple accounts of Union soldiers with one arm, so I can't tell you if these are all the same. One of the primary ones that you're going to see is in the lobby. Um, you're also going to see him potentially in the basement. Now, I did, when I was staying there, I didn't even know there was a basement. I didn't see an entry to a basement. Although next time I go, I'm definitely going to attempt to get into this basement. I'm going to ask somebody to go in. So let us know. If you guys listen to this and you stay there and you ask the staff if you can go into the basement, let us know what that was like because we did not experience that when we went. But this same or maybe the same, we don't know, a Union soldier, possibly the same one, is also seen on the fourth floor quite a bit. Um, and some people have said that he's actually holding his own arm that's been amputated, um, looking for a surgeon. Speaking of the basement, there have been men uh, carrying stretchers with bodies on it. That's something that people say they've seen apparitions of, um, as well as amputated limbs littering the basement floor. So that would be a lot. Like, I don't, that's something, if I go to one of these places, I don't want to see. Like, that's something out of horror films. Yeah, that sounds scary. Yeah, that that does sound scary. And we did not see that. <laughs> well, you'd think, though, that if that's the case, right, it's going to be more of a spirit that's kind of like reliving the past and maybe not necessarily aware of other people's presence. But hard to say, right? Right, absolutely. Now, 
in the upper floor, so floors three and four, that's where the bulk of um, the haunted stories are. A lot of the things that you hear, which I find kind of funny, and I wonder if this goes back to the yellow fever days, is children. There's a lot of reports of children giggling, bouncing a ball in the hallway. You that know. is scarier than the basement. <laughs> I don't know. I think like seeing like limbs strewn across a floor oh, is pretty scarier. A child laughing is pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So there's actually a very um, common story that um, somebody told online um, that he was staying in one of the rooms on the third floor and actually woke up feeling something on his feet and he realized he was feeling like a tickling sensation and he looked up and saw a little girl looking back at him actually tickling his feet and then disappeared so he actually saw a little girl doing that and that's something that's really widely reported is things like tickling touching actually kids biting other pe people in the hotel is something that's pretty common so keep an eye out for things like biting we didn't have a bite thank god that would have really scared me if i i didn't even felt know about something that like that but when we stayed there yeah. kids biting is is known to be a thing um as well as touching your feet and and stuff like that they also say a lot of people have woken up feeling like a hand on their forehead almost as if somebody's like taking their temperature which I think makes a lot of sense because if people were there for either yellow fever or maybe they were recovering from an amputation they want to take their fever or their temperature to make sure they're not running a fever and dealing with like infection so that's actually a really common thing so a lot of like touching which to me I think touching is way scarier than like necessarily like seeing something move or like I don't want anything touching me you know, yeah, I agree. That that's what really freaks me out. Now, the second floor, people also see stuff on the second floor, too. I know I'm really downplaying it. There, there has been things seen on every single floor of this hotel. The biggest thing that the second floor is known for is actually the sensation of being nauseous. Now, I did not feel nauseousness when I was on the second floor because we did our fair share of, like, looking around the hotel. I mean, we were everywhere that we probably didn't need to be because <laughs> we're looking for stuff, right? Did you get that sensation or anything, Lindsay, when you were on the second floor? No. No. And I don't remember that. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen for some people, right? Like how that that's, that's going to be triggered, but that's a really common one. I think the biggest story of the hotel um, is one that was right before it reopened. It was towards the end of their renovations in 1999 um, and there was three different rooms that had what the um, staff reported as strange odors and bad vibes kind of vague don't know what that means exactly the strange odor a lot of people say like smelled like death or you know it it really seemed to have like an evil bad feeling now the rooms that were involved there were three different rooms where the staff felt this before opening room 214 314 and 414 so these are three rooms that are basically on top of each other 
on different levels, right? And I hear that strange odor thing, and I haven't read that it was tied back to like the bones that were found or the limbs put under the floorboards, but I wonder a little bit, like is is there something in those walls, you know, that was there from when it was a hospital that caused that? I, I mean, I don't know. Well, you you hear about people dealing with like haunted smells like cigar smoke or, you know, something like that, right? So maybe this is like that. I'm sure there was an odor. Right. Considering the prob- probable decomposition. Happened. Yeah. And the reason it makes me think that it's kind of... I don't know, like evilish. I don't know. Um, so they tried everything because they didn't want to open the hotel with like this gross, deathly odor in these three different rooms. So they did all these deodorizers. They tried to clean it. You know, they did all these things. And finally, you know, and before I say this, guys, I'm just going to say I did not find this information on the Marshall House's website. There's no employee that I've seen that has made this claim online. Doesn't mean it's not out there, but these are, this is a widely reported thing on the internet. I can't say for sure that uh, management at the Marshall House would say this was true. Okay. So essentially, they tried everything. The one thing a staff member came up with was how about we do a group prayer? It seems to be, you know, some kind of presence is here. There's bad vibes, there's this odor. So they did a group prayer and apparently that group prayer worked immediately in the lower floors. So in room 214 and room 314, like the smell and everything just kind of vanished right away. Now, when they went to 414 and attempted to do the group prayer, apparently the odor was so strong that they were not able to stay in the room long enough to complete the group prayer. They thought, well, what are we going to do? We can't stay in here long enough. So they actually put a radio in the room and started playing gospel music in the room. And according to staff there, it has it kind of worked like it was the only thing that could get rid of like that bad vibe situation in room 414. Now, people to this day say that they would they do smell that deathly, you know, kind of evil odor in the room um, on occasion, but it's not there all the time. And according to this maids, When they go into the room, because a lot of the maids are scared to clean room 414, they will actually play gospel music in the room, which is kind of scary. Now, we did stay in room 414. I, the first night that we arrived, I only felt good vibes and I didn't smell, I I did not smell anything the whole time we were in that room. Did you, yeah, Lindsay? I agree. I, I did not have any bad odors. As soon as we walked in, I actually even said to you, I remember going, oh, this is really nice. I've got good vibes. I mean, you had like white linens. It was cute. Um, it seemed really light and airy in there from my perspective. Yeah, I totally agree. And so we stayed there two nights. The first night, I mean, we didn't really feel anything. I didn't sense anything weird. I didn't smell anything weird. And believe me, 
we wanted to experience that, you know, like we're the weirdos that are like, if there's something here, please make your presence known, <laughs> move this, move that. Like we're trying to get them to do stuff. And, and then I'll be going down the street to the Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But then we've experienced it, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember when we were staying there and I said something like, if you're here, move the bathroom door, close that bathroom door, right? Trying to get something to stir up. And you said to me something like, if that bathroom door moves, we got to get out of here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But it would have been cool. I mean, it would have been cool after the fact. I mean, it would have been hard to sleep in there that night if that bathroom door legit moved, right? Definitely. Like, I, And don't get me wrong. I get freaked out by stuff. You're a little bit more freaked out, but I'm just a hard sleeper. Like I can sleep through about anything and it makes it way easier to sleep there knowing that like you're right there awake, like keeping your eyes open <laughs> watching. <laughs> I kind of take advantage of that a bit. So anyways, we asked all these things, but we didn't experience anything the the first night that we were there. Um, and then the second night, you know, I don't know. I got kind of like a creepier vibe. I don't know what it was. What do you think, Lindsay? How would you describe kind of that second night that we were there? Well, we were sitting there. We had dinner reservations at this place called the Old Pink House, which is delicious. But So if you go there, go there to that restaurant. It's great. Um, and so we're waiting. We had kind of late reservations. And we were just, you know, sitting on the bed with the TV on. Um, and I I all of a sudden felt kind of bad vibes. I, I felt kind of creeped out. Um, I, I heard some like noises that I didn't notice earlier in the day or the day before. And I would describe them more as like creaking noises, you know, like somebody steps on a floorboard and creak right around the room. Now that does not mean that was a ghost. I will say the floors are old. They creak, right? So it could have been maybe somebody walking down the hallway outside the room, but I will just say the mood in the room changed and I heard some strange noises that I did not notice previously. And maybe I was just hyper alert because it started freaking me out. And then I was like, let's go to dinner. You know, let's, let's go uh, get out of this room for a little bit. Yeah. And uh, again, I would highly recommend the old pink house. It's really close to the Marshall house. But if you go there, that's also supposed to be haunted as well. There's some right. good history around that old pink house, but the food is great. I recommend the she crab soup and then you had a salad it's the BLT salad and that Delicious. that was really good I tried a bite of that as well um, and that was just the appetizer so yeah. you know definitely try the old pink house um, it was fantastic but anyway so we get back and we had actually booked a late night um, kind of um, like haunted hunt at the Sorel Weed House, which will probably be our next episode because um, that was just a really cool experience too. And we'll talk more about it. Um, so we had to kind of like wait afterwards, like a couple hours after dinner before our tour there. And I mean, there was like some weird tapping noises. And like you said, the, the floors are creaky. They're, they're making noises. But I mean, I felt like it was, I mean, it was creepy. I'll just say that. I mean, there was some weird creaking noises happening. I even got freaked out at one point, like, oh, definitely. like jumping out of the bed and like, oh my God. <laughs> so then 
We get back from the Sorrel Weed House at probably like 2 a.m. or something like that, yeah. right? Maybe even 2:30. later, 2.30, because I think our tour actually ended at 2. So we get back at 2.30. It's late. We're tired. I lay down. I immediately pass out. Like, I'm As usual. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, I don't know that you fell asleep right away. No, I was up, like, yeah. on and off all night. Kind of just, oh, is there something around me? <laughs> yeah. And I remember <laughs> through my deep sleep, I do remember hearing you say sometimes, I hate how you're always asleep while I'm trying to sleep. Um, but anyways, we got through the night, you know, nothing other than some weird noises and, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then the next day we're actually getting ready to leave. And we had, I mean, this was minutes before we're getting ready to leave. We shower, we get ready for the day. We're packing up our suitcases, getting ready to leave the hotel. And in the hotel, there's actually across from the bed. And by the way, um, this is where we were hearing some of those creepy noises the night before. Some of those creeping, creepy tapping noises. Mm -hmm. um, there's an armoire across from the bed. And in the armoire, if you open it, there's a full-length mirror. So you can kind of get the full look, look of your outfit of the day and, you know, make sure that you're looking good, right? And there's some coat hangers. And they're like heavy wooden, you know, hotel coat hangers in there. So I had just finished packing my suitcase, put on my outfit for the drive. Lindsay, you were in the bathroom probably doing your makeup. I was or, doing my makeup in Yeah, the doing your makeup. And I opened the armoire to look at myself in the mirror one last time to make sure I'm looking good. And all of a sudden, to the left of me, I hear this clanging noise. And I look over. I was like, I knew something was up. Like, as soon as I heard it, like, it to me in my head, this almost happened like slow motion. Like, I hear the clanging noise. I look to my left where the hangers are, and they are moving. It was almost as if somebody had taken their hand and run their fingers through the coat hangers. And I looked over and I was like, oh my God. I think that's exactly what I said. Probably very right. similar. That Did is. you hear me say that? Yeah. So I heard all of a sudden I'm, I'm just doing my makeup or, you know, pretty close to leaving. And I hear, oh my God. And I kind of thought you were joking. But you come running over, you're like, the hangers, the hangers. I've had an experience. I've had an encounter. <laughs> Something has happened. <laughs> so I missed it. But I heard the reaction. It definitely happened. Um, and it, I mean, that was startling. I really wasn't, you know, if you go to a haunted place, a lot of times you're going to hear weird noises, taps. You do not very typically actually see something get moved. There was nothing that could have moved these hangers. Like, it's not like a fan could have clicked on and those hangers moved. We had not heard, seen those hangers move like that before. It was, it was extremely unusual. And it was um, well after you had opened the door to the armoire. Right. It, so wasn't, it wasn't some reverberation. It wasn't anything like that, right? Exactly. Like, okay. I had opened the door several minutes prior to this right. happening. And let me also say this. You know, I I really believe that a lot of times when there's some sort of an experience, you know, that someone attributes to a ghost or a spirit, a lot of times there's a reasonable explanation for it, which is not paranormal. And so I'm always looking at that, right? Like, 
what could the explanation be? Is there anything else that could have possibly caused this? You know, so whenever we give you some sort of an experience that we had, we've thought through it. And granted, there's always a possibility, right, that we haven't thought of. But this was very unusual. It really was. And it's so funny because, you know, not like you said earlier in the episode, Lindsay, not everybody believes in ghosts, right? So we both have day jobs. I get back from my vacation to Savannah. I go tell people at work, like, you're not going to believe what happened. And most people look at me like, I am crazy. And I'm like, it happened, you guys. Why would I make that up? Like, I was just excited. Like, it's crazy when you have an experience like that because most of the time, and granted, that's one of the few, you know, that I've had where actually maybe the only one that I've had where stuff actually moves in front of my face, right, is the mm -hmm. only one. When you have something like that happen, like, it's not like I started screaming. I was startled. It felt like slow motion, like, and then your head just starts going through all these things, like, what could have caused that? Was that what I think it was? I mean, there's only so many explanations for it, you right. know? So it, it happened. It was a really cool experience. So I'm really curious, in all of my research that I completed on different haunted stories from the Marshall House, I did not see a single one talking about the armoire in the room or hangers and I'm wondering if anybody else out else out there has experienced anything like that when they stayed at the Marshall House if you have please send us an email um, by contacting us on our website at yourhauntedholiday.com in addition we want to hear your stories if you guys have gone somewhere like a bed and breakfast that nobody's ever heard of before and you had something happen whether you've had something happen or not if it's haunted we want to know about it and we want to know what your experience is right so and be truthful if it's junky and there's dust all over the place let us know this is not only a ghost site or ghost podcast we want to tell people about the truth about these places right so what do you expect to get when you actually get to this haunted vacation spot, right? Right. So please go to yourhauntedholiday.com and send us a note on your own experiences and we might read them on the air. We're definitely looking for recommendations on future episodes. All right, if you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please subscribe to our podcast as well as give us five stars and keep an eye out for future shows. We have a whole lineup ready to go for season one. Our next episode, you can look forward to the Sorrel Weed House, which is a very famous location in Savannah. But don't worry, we are going to venture way outside of Savannah throughout the rest of this season. So keep your eyes peeled and we look forward to future episodes.